it's time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Yes, it does. Thank you, Chad Erickson, and good to have you all with us on this Wednesday edition of the show. Kurt Allen will drop by. We'll talk some NBA with him coming up in about 20 minutes. Max Struess. Struess. Probably the shot of the year in the NBA, I think we'd have to say. Uh, We'll get into that. We'll talk about some of the issues around the league in terms of um, something we discussed on the show yesterday, and we've discussed it throughout the season, and that is the problem, the crisis of officiating in the NBA and some of these late-game bad calls. Uh, We'll get into that with him as well. 30 MLB teams in 30 shows. That continues today, our AL West preview this week. Uh, We have done the Mariners. We have done the Astros. Today we will do the world champion Texas Rangers. Stefan Stevenson will stop by, and we'll get some thoughts with him. But we start things out in the NFL, and there is Sam Yarnell. What rhymes with NFL? Sam Yarnell. See, you like that? Um, I do. Never heard that one before. See, we'll talk. We'll talk some. Let's talk some NFL. And and look, you start to wonder why they even. You know, I get it. Everything shifts. Everything evolves. Everything changes. Um, Ten years ago, you know, the combine was everything for the NFL in the off season. It was you know this this great three or four days where all the scouts got to go and see all the players show off their wares. Now it's, well, I want to throw on my pro day and I want to, I'm only going to run this time. That's, that's where we are in the NFL. I mean, virtually none of the top flight quarterbacks in this draft are going to throw at the combine this year, Sam. So we're going to get a bunch of guys in tights and, you know, skimpy shirts and all that stuff uh, running around jumping and testing their hand size, but nobody throwing at this year's combine. I think that the the purpose of the combine, Jason, has kind of evolved over the course of the last, like you said, I would say five years, really, because you think back to like 2019 and there were even even then there were a couple of notable players who who made their way to the combine. Not that there aren't this year. I mean, you know, Malik Neighbors is going to be a very good wide receiver in the NFL, and this is his time to shine. Uh, J.J. McCarthy has a chance to shoot up draft boards if he has a good combine. But I think that is what the combine has turned into. It's not a place where, you know... I remember back in 2010, 2011, when Andrew Luck was at the Combine, and it almost ruined his draft stock. Obviously, he still ends up going number one overall uh, because of his pure talent, but Andrew Luck did not have a good Combine, and I think that was kind of the start of the turn of these guys realizing, hey, if they think I'm something finishing college and before I even, you know, run 40 yards or get my hands measured or bench 225 pounds in front of 65 people— What's the point? If all it's going to do is hurt me, what's the point? I think that the NFL, if they really want to bring people back to this, bring athletes back to this, they've got to rethink the way it's done or the way it's graded or the events that the players have to do or whatever the case may be, whether it's team by team workouts or so on and so forth. Another thing that we haven't even mentioned is the whole cognition part of of the combine, Jason. That's what seems to ruin the majority of players' careers. And I guess... It poses an interesting question. Do if you're an NFL franchise, if you're a scout, if you're a talent evaluator, 
does it change your opinion on somebody not going to the combine versus just going and seeing them at their pro day? I think I I think the direction we're headed is, especially in this era of NIL and guys already having their brands built. You know, again, 10 years ago, players didn't really have brands. Yeah, they were stars at the collegiate level and things like that. Guys are full-blown brands now by the time they even get to the combine in the case of a lot of these players. So I think it's going to become more and more individualized as we, you know, as as the years go on. And I don't know how the NFL really combats it because these guys, until they're in the NFL, they're not in the NFL. They don't really have, they can't really put their arms around them uh, and force them to do things they don't want to do. I think it's just going to become more and more individualized as we, as we, you know, go through the next 5, 10, 20 years. Who knows? 20 years from now, they may not even be a combine. It's kind of, it's kind of where I am. That's an interesting point. And what if we did, you know, like an expanded version of what we already see after the combine when teams have, you know, the ability to bring in, uh, I think the NFL's limit is like five right now players yeah. on private workouts. Um, what if we get rid of the combine and just turn them all into private workouts? Yeah, you're going to make these these kids work out a ton more, but at the end of the day, if it's more effective, it's better for the game. The loser, um, the loser is the NFL Network. <laughs> that's, 100%. That's, that's absolutely the NFL Network. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling uh, out in Kansas City. They saved twelve million dollars by cutting him loose, and who knows, might be addition by subtraction, uh, given how many balls he dropped this year. There is other NFL news, Sam, and that is potential changes to the way we see kickoffs around the league. Stephen Jones, executive vice president uh, of the Dallas Cowboys, of course, the son of Jerry Jones, is putting forth uh, putting together a, a potential rule change to the competition committee, uh, talking about kickoffs, making it more the XFL style, uh, trying to bring more excitement to kickoffs, that XFL model. Uh, has uh, the kicking team lining up at the opponent's 35-yard line, the return team lining up at the 30, only the kicker and return allowed to move until the ball is touched. Here's why. 2,698 kickoffs in 2023, only 587 were returned, 1,970 touchbacks, 92 fair catches. you got to get excitement back in the kicking game. Yeah, and I think that's... Uh... What's interesting about this, Jason, is it's like the one thing in the NFL that everyone seems to agree on, which is why I think that we're actually going to get movement on this this offseason. You talked about what uh, Stephen Jones says. We know the Players Association uh, has thought that the ceremonial play was terrible for a couple of years when they first pitched it, I think, back in 2020 uh, during that COVID season, they wanted to change the kickoff. And now you've got the league coming out and saying stuff as well. The uh, Troy Vincent, the executive vice president of football operations for the league, uh, called it a ceremonial play, said we're never going to have it like we did last year ever again. Uh, and they're going to do whatever they can to come back. It. I yeah. think that it's very interesting to me, uh, first of all, that the one thing that everyone can agree on is something as minuscule as this. But also, look at the XFL, right? Like, for when it was going on, I'll be the first one to say yep. I was a non-believer. I went to XFL games. I did enjoy the product, but I didn't think that at the end of the day, it was something that we could take away from and be it's like, a lot oh, of yeah, things. football season's over. There's a lot of things that have come from these spring leagues 
that are being instituted into the NFL if you look over the last 20 years. Sam will rejoin us later. We're back with baseball next. Over 13 million Americans were affected by identity theft in 2022, and the threats go way beyond just credit card fraud. Today's identity thieves can use your information in ways that are easy to miss by just monitoring accounts and credit, like opening loans, transferring home titles, even committing crimes. Someone got my social security number, made a driver's license, and it was used for criminal activity. You can do so much with a social security number that I didn't know could happen. They drained my bank account. It was terrifying. You're even more vulnerable than you realize. Your information is exposed through online shopping, banking, even corporate data breaches. No wonder there's a new victim of identity theft every three seconds. Only LifeLock alerts you to the widest volume of threats all in one place, like someone trying to use your social security number, open a new loan in your name, or even commit a crime in your name. There was a big yes button and there was a big no button. I clicked, that's not me, and LifeLock took it from there. If you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will be assigned to your case and work to fix the issue on your behalf. If something happens, you have somebody fighting for you. All LifeLock members are backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package, including reimbursement for stolen funds, personal expenses, and coverage for lawyers and experts up to $1 million. It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. With LifeLock, it's easy to help protect yourself. I will be with LifeLock forever. Join the millions of people already protected by LifeLock. And for a limited time, save 25% on your first year with promo code 25TV. All plans include a 60-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-710-7531 or visit lifelock.com slash 25TV to save 25% on your first year of identity theft protection. Enroll now. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Call the number on your screen today. It's a free call. Continuing on this Wednesday edition of the show, I promised the audience 30 teams, 30 shows. AL West is our first week of previews. We've talked about the Mariners. We've talked about the Astros. Easily the two biggest rivals or contenders uh, to what the Texas Rangers have built. So let's talk about the world champion, Texas Rangers. Stefan Stevenson does a great job, SI Fan Nation, uh, on the Rangers. Gives us some time on the show today. From Surprise, Arizona, uh, where the Rangers are underway in spring training. Obviously a different feel for this team coming into spring training this year than it was last year. Could you have could you have imagined just to just to take it back to to this team winning a World Series? Could you have imagined going into spring training last year that being a World Series team? No, I don't think anybody did. Although Chris Young, the general manager, and Bruce Bochy, the manager, very early on talked with very high hopes. Um, not not necessarily the World Series, but 
playoff contention. And they, you know, at first we kind of questioned their kind of narrative that they were, we figured they were pushing. Um, but Chris Young off the record and, you know, he, he would tell us then that, no, I mean, we, they, the Rangers have been bad for so long that he wanted to make sure that, uh, the players knew it, the organization knew it, that they expected to be in contention for a playoff spot. Now, once they got off to such a great start offensively and the pitching was good early, uh, then they, I think they started altering their, their hopes to a legit playoff run, but no, there was too much, too many unknowns at the time, uh, for anybody to really consider uh, the Rangers a World Series contender. Um, and even even deep into August, when they mm-hmm. when they lost 14 of 20 games and and had 33 blown saves, uh, the the second most in the majors for for the entire year, this team was not go- this team was not going anywhere and it was sinking fast. The Astros had overtaken them atop the, and even at a, a few, for a few days, the Mariners overtook them at the end of August and early uh, September. Um, so no, it even, even that last weekend in Seattle, when the Rangers lost three or four and lost out on the, the American league West title to the Astros on a tiebreaker, Going to Tampa Bay, flying from Seattle to Tampa Bay. Um, I don't think most of the beat writers, including myself, figured they had a World Series run in. I thought they could be scrappy and and take some teams deep, but it wasn't until they actually did it and their bullpen really, along with Jose Leclerc and Josh Spores, really stepped up. and uh, And the offense did what it did all year. They scored runs. Sorry, uh, that was a really long answer. No, that's okay. I, I listen. I want. I want the insight from somebody who actually watches this team on a day in day out basis. That's why I bring people like you on. Um, make the argument to somebody who will say well, everything just came together at the perfect time and they were able to win a World Series last year. It's not realistic to expect that to happen again this year. Make the argument coming into spring training as to why this team could uh, be in a position to repeat. Well, I don't think there's any question mark about the offense being really good again, if not better. They'll have uh, the rising star Evan Carter from day one. He didn't he didn't join the club until September eighth, and then most people, most baseball fans, saw what he did in the postseason um, in left field. He he'll be the uh, the left left field starter from day one. Uh, he 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 could bat anywhere in the lineup. He's Right now, he's been hitting second with some everyday players uh, like Corey Seager not out there uh, because of injuries. Um, I think that argument that you, that you just made is legitimate when it comes to the bullpen because it was sort of a lightning in a bottle couple weeks for Jose Leclerc and Josh Spores even Araldis Chapman, uh, even though he was a wild ride in the postseason for the Rangers, <laughs> yes. he, he uh, but they they had some starters like John Gray and Andrew Heaney, even Jordan Montgomery, the free agent that everybody still wants. Those guys were coming out of the bullpen in, in moments, uh, in leverage moments, and getting big outs for the Rangers. 
that that is the one point where uh, that I, I think you do have question marks. Now they have tried to address the bullpen by adding veteran closer David Robertson mm-hmm. and and Kirby Yates from the Braves. Both of those guys, along with Jose Leclerc and Josh Spores, that gives them four guys that they hope among the four throughout the season, one of those or two of those guys will be uh, able to close the door on games and they won't be looking at 33 blown saves. Um, and, you know, I brought that up to Kirby Yates at like one of the first days in camp. I said, hey, you know, you you and David were brought in because of all those uh, blown saves. And he and David both sort of said, well, you know, a lot can be made, a lot can be blown out of proportion on blown saves, depending on when the run was given up. And I had to tell him, well, look, most of those blown saves were like classic ninth inning. They had the lead, then they didn't blown saves. <laughs> and um, because, you know, there are some wacky uh, blown saves that, uh, isn't exactly what the average fan thinks of when uh, when you're talking about blown saves. The Rangers literally left 25 to 30 of those 33 blown saves. Those are W's that they should have had, and they believe the 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 management believes they should have had them. That means they they would have been a, like a 105 win team instead of a 90 win team. So if they can if they can address that bullpen. I think the offense is going to be is is uh, is going to still score seven runs a game on a daily basis. Um, I've got literally ten seconds, fifteen oh second gosh. answer here. If this team is competitive now that they've had a taste and won a World Series, and expectations rise for the fan base, if this team is in the hunt, do you expect them to be aggressive this year in terms of improving the team, whether it's with trades and whatnot? The way they've done it the last two two years. Uh, I don't know if I expect it, but it would not surprise me. Okay. Um, they're, they're close to going over the cap, and there's they don't they, if they hit another threshold, it, it gets even worse. It's um, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy to think about a Texas Rangers team that's actually like in danger of being over the cap. Stefan, I appreciate it. Let's do it again throughout the season. All right. Thank you. I appreciate. It. Yeah. Anytime. We're coming back. Rolling along on this Wednesday edition of the show. Thanks again to Stefan Stevenson for dropping by. Talking about the Texas Rangers, part of our AL West preview this week. If you miss anything from the show, do yourself a favor. Go and check out the vodcast podcast version of the show. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, you name it, anywhere you get your podcasts. Let's talk some NBA. Our man Kurt Heelan is dropping by the show, Pro Basketball Talk at NBCSports.com. Do a couple of segments with him and go around the league. Um, we'll do Max Struess in the next segment because that was just wild last night. Uh, one, one of the best NBA finishes we've seen in a while, I'd say. Uh, but I want to talk about officiating and, and sort of get your thoughts as to as to where we go with this. Because it's clear now the league officially has a problem here. Um, whether it's because of the, the legalization of sports betting and how these things are impacted by bad calls, the legitimacy of the game, 
um, legitimacy of what fans are watching. The Knicks have been have been tied up in basically two, two yeah. of these different uh, controversial finishes. One in Houston against the Rockets. The one at home the other night against the Pistons. I can understand why Monty Williams went nuts. By the way, did he wind up getting fined? Did he did he get uh, the fine? Uh, as of you and I speaking, that has not come down yet. Okay. But it will. He'll, okay. he'll get the he'll get the standard fine because they have to be consistent, so they'll do it, even though he's right and they shouldn't. Let me ask you a question. Let me let me throw a few things out there at you, and, and we'll just we'll just spitball a little bit here. Could they add? Would adding a fourth official? Would adding a fourth official do anything? I'm not sure that it would. First off, by the way, with that mix thing, I think we have to give Dante DiVincenzo credit here. He got low. He did not use the crown of his helmet, so it's not targeting. Like it, that was a clean tackle. He he, he got on uh, Sir Thompson. Um, look, I don't think it handles the problem because if you talk to the players and coaches who are most frustrated by this, part of the problem is is the youth of the officiating crews. Like there has just been kind of a generational changeover, and so when there there used to be more veterans who they players felt comfortable with, felt like they could communicate with, and there were conversations with. Now you've got a lot of younger officials with less than 10 years in the league. Adding a fourth official just means you're adding another, you know, 20 or whatever young officials that are kind of not, it just takes time to adjust to refing the NBA game. And it would add to the communications problems because these younger officials these are the ones that players feel like they can't talk to. And then that leads to more outbursts, which leads to more tension. And it's just kind of a cycle. So what is the solution? If you are a league, because I doubt yeah. that what we saw last night is going to be the last time you had the Paulo Bencaro oh, no. play a couple of nights ago where they're like, no, it wasn't a travel. Everybody was like, it's a travel. And then they come out the next day, the two minute report, they say it's not a travel. What is the solution here? Is there any conversations going on around the league? Is it is it something as simple as, and I, I called for this the other day, if I'm the league, do what the NFL does. I know it's going to make it a, the game a little longer, but do what the NFL does. Final two minutes, it's a, it's a booth review. You yeah. know, final two minutes, if it's anything even remotely controversial, we're buzzing down, boom, we're taking a look at it. it, it why can't we do that? Yeah, exactly. I also use, in the last minute or two minutes, I use the kind of, and I hate to do this as a soccer fan because it, it rips at me inside a little bit, but one thing VAR gets right is they can buzz down and say, hey, you need to go back and look at this. And when I brought that up to NBA officials, I've gotten the, we don't want to go back. Like, we don't want to play 30 seconds or a minute of a game and then go back and and have to replay that 30 seconds or a minute. Um, like the other night with DiVincenzo play continued basket scored. Now you're going to go back and take that away. That seems to bother the league more than, you know, getting the call right. And I don't think you should do it all game. I'm, I'm look, the challenge system works, but I'm with you last two minutes of each half. You should be able to make that kind of call. You should be able to buzz down and go, Hey, Jalen Brunson didn't foul that guy on the shot on the, the Rockets on the, on the three, but like yeah. you should be able to, Hey, you got to take a look at that before you leave the floor kind of moments. And I think that would help. I think there needs to be more, more transparency seems weird because there's last two minute report exists, but I am among the group. And you mentioned the other day that thinks 75% of that time 
the time that's there to back up the refs. Like I know they wanted to be looking transparent, but Bancaro traveled. That was a travel. Like I just, <laughs> um, I think that they're looking for reasons to back up the referees on the floor as opposed to trying to get at the truth. And I think that's part of the problem is that there's a sense that it's a little bit of a fraternity and they're trying to back their guys rather than that. And I, I don't think adding a fourth official is, but I think talking to the officials and I know my name McCutcheon's kind of does some of the, there's got to be a way to communicate better and diffuse. And part of that's got to come from the player side. Players are kind of in their face way more aggressive. Steve Javi talks about this, like way more aggressive than they were 10 years ago. How there has to be a, a, there has to be a better balance of that, but the referees doing this and like, you can't talk to me. It's not working. Like there's got to be more communication. How, how um, aggressive is Adam Silver with this though? Because, and and maybe Mm -hmm. I've missed it. Is this something that's being discussed? Like, cause I'm not hearing from Adam Silver on it. Not as much as defensive changes, I think. Like, that's gotten more like, you know, hey, maybe the pendulum swung too far and we should allow more physicality on defense. And that's, Jason, that's another conversation for another sure. day on what they can and can't. But um, I've heard more of that than how do we solve this communication problem other than the league thinking as these refs mature, it will get better. And I'm, yeah, but there's always going to be new. Like, and I just, Players are different, a little bit different now in how they approach things. The Look, when the Athletic did a preseason anonymous player survey, if I remember the number right, it was it was a little over 25% of the players said officiating is the biggest problem in the league. And wow. there's, there's going to be a natural tension between refs and players just in every sport all the time. That's the nature of it, right? But if... 25% of the league's players and coaches think it's the biggest problem the league has to address. It's a problem the league has to address, and they've got to find a way to get both sides to – I mean, I know I know they've tried. I know they've tried to put both sides in a room, but it's also not that, hey, man, C.J. McCollum can sit in a room with the lead official, and that doesn't solve everything. Yeah. Well, let's just hope that it doesn't heavily impact a postseason game. That's my uh, fear. It's going to. You know it's going. Yeah. You know that there's going to be a moment. There's going to be a blown. Because there is every year. Yeah. There's going to be something. And I just hope, like you, I just, I hope it's not something that swings a game in a series. We'll talk more with Kurt on the other side. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Call the number on your screen today. It's a free call. Good to have you with us on this Wednesday edition of the show, continuing our conversation with Kurt Heelan of Pro Basketball Talk at NBCSports.com. Game of the night in the NBA on Tuesday night. Any doubt? <laughs> no. Any, no, it's, it, 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 was, it was Cleveland and uh, Dallas in the finish of the year. Watch this. Can't have anybody get an easy shot. Cleveland has that tip by Mobley, but Dodgers gets it back. Dodgers. Dumps inside Washington, puts it in. Two seconds left. The Cavs are out of timeouts. They have to go 94 feet. Struess from midcourt. 
Wow. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, Kurt Allen. Uh, Max Struess, the winner, and what's been a, a fun season for the Cavaliers. Look, they're a fun basketball team. Heartbreaking loss for the uh, for the Mavericks, but what can you say about Max Struess? Well, this is why you got him, right? Like, A, you're right about the Cavaliers. They are now 12-3 and three in their last 15, and they're, well, the second hottest team in the East because Boston's Boston. But, like, they're... They're playing really good basketball, and this is why they went and got Struess, right? In the offseason, they're like, we could use more shooting. It wasn't just this shot, although 59-foot game winners. It's, it's something you see every day. But he made, he went five for five, and I believe the final four minutes of the game might have been four and a, a little four and a half. The, the, Kyrie Irving made a layup, and I think it put the – if I remember, it was 10, they were up. Yep. right? Dallas is up 10, and – he just and Donovan Mitchell hit a couple in there, but he went like five for five down the stretch. He was just knocking down everything. And when he gets hot like that, this is they brought him in for two reasons this summer. They needed more shooting. They needed a wing shooter. And they needed somebody who could step up in big moments and they could trust. And this is a guy who was in the finals last year, was a part of a starter and a key part of that heat run. Like one of those role players who stepped up for Miami like they always do. But Struess. This is exactly what they need in Cleveland. And if they're going to win in the postseason this year and not get just bounced by the Knicks, and, and the reason we're all kind of hesitant to pick it, pick them it for anything this year, they need more of that. They need that guy in those moments um, to, to make plays like that. Is there a scenario where Donovan Mitchell returns to Cleveland? Yeah, I think it just depends on what happens with their postseason run. Um, if they make it to the conference finals and they, they are – like they're the two seed now, they are likely to be the two seed. They have a relatively soft schedule the rest of the way. If they go in as the two seed, they make it to the conference finals and they take Boston five or six. Is he leaving if they give him the most money? I, I, I my guess is no. My guess is he decides to stay. That said, if he really wants out, and you know, does New York still want him? Does he pair well mm-hmm. with Jason, um, Jalen Brunson? I should say. There are questions to answer about where he would go or if he should just take the money and worry about getting out later if that's what he ultimately wants to do. But if they get bounced in the first round again, (laughs) that's a different story. Uh, Give me a thought on Chris Paul's return last night for the Warriors. Obviously, he's going to be a a component of what they do down the stretch, mixing this youth with these veteran guys. Um, And I want to talk about Steve Kerr signing a two-year extension, but initial thoughts on what you saw out of Chris Paul in game one. A little bit rusty, as you would expect, after all the time off. But I thought he looked good, and I thought the idea of – I like the idea of him. It'll take a few games to play out. But if you can bring Chris Paul and – Clay Thompson off your bench and just, I mean, even the last, they've struggled for years, Jason, you know this, in the non-Curry minutes. Yes. It's been bad. And it's been, even the year they won the championship, they were actually negative in the non, the most recent championship. They were negative in the non-Curry minutes because they don't have a Kevin Durant or somebody like that anymore. This year, they're positive in the non-Curry minutes. They're winning those minutes because of Chris Paul, uh, if they can take that over into the playoffs, they become one of those teams that if things break right, they're a threat. They have a lot of things need to break right for them, but if they do, there's a run there. Yeah, there certainly could be. Were you surprised Kerr signed a two-year extension? 
No, I think he's. I think that's a sign of what they're picturing for the Curry era. I kind of picture him, not even necessarily stepping away, maybe stepping into the front office in some role or something. I don't think he's going to do what Greg Popovich did and stay on past Tim Duncan. I, I think when the time comes, he is happy to pull the plug and and reduce the travel and all that and step into a front office role. But he's going to time that out with Curry, and I think they're going to ride the Curry train for a few, you know, look, as long as they can, as long as he wants to be there, because sort of like LeBron, he fills the building, he sells the sponsorships, he is worth every penny they pay him many times over just financially for the franchise. So if he wants to stay, he stays. And if he stays, Curry stays. Um, I mean, Curry stays. Uh, how bad is Lakers Clippers going to be tonight? <laughs> no, Paul George. Are you it going? Are you Are you going to go? Uh, unfortunately, no. I have my daughter's end-of-season soccer banquet for her senior year, so there's no way oh, I'm missing. Oh, nothing finer Not, than soccer banquets, man. Clippers, yeah, I, Lakers, I, I, soccer I, I, banquets. Oh, yeah. It, sure. It's not It's not my daughter, the senior, kind of taking her moment in the sun. <laughs> it's the rubber chicken that I am most looking forward to. Um, that said, I, I this will be an interesting game. The, both of these teams could use wins. The Clippers are 4-4 four and four in their last eight and haven't looked uh, like for, – the team, everybody, including myself, kept saying, man, they're the biggest threat to Denver. If they yeah. get this thing, to, they've looked okay the last few weeks. It hasn't been as sharp, and they need to find their footing. And, God, I want these teams to meet in the first round. I just yeah. – the only way this really becomes a rivalry is for a playoff series. If That's the only way you get to a real rivalry in any sport. Uh, before I let you go, I got about 15 seconds. Boston, in a tier all by itself right now, or is Denver there with them? I would say Denver there with them. Denver can get there. They're not playing that way in the regular season like Boston is. I think Boston's the best team in the NBA. Denver can play at that level. Kurt Hillen, check him out. Pro Basketball Talk at NBCSports.com. Always appreciate it, my friend. Have yourself a wonderful time. Enjoy that rubber chicken, and uh, hopefully you don't get sick, and we'll talk again soon. I look forward to it. We're coming back. Don't go anywhere. Hi, friends. Richard Karn here. Now, I'm known as the guy who can fix just about anything, but the technology in most appliances requires very special training to fix. And that's why my family has Choice Home Warranty. Choice Home Warranty covers over 25 major home systems and appliances. That's your AC, heating, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and so much more. Imagine for less than a cup of coffee a day, Choice Home Warranty can help protect you from expensive major system and appliance breakdowns that your homeowner's insurance doesn't cover. Call Choice Home Warranty now and get access to a nationwide network of over 15,000 technicians and the latest appointment setting technology so you'll know when they're on their way. So do what this old DIYer did and call Choice Home Warranty now before something breaks down. Get protection for your heating, AC, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances and more. Call for your free quote today. Call in the next five minutes and get your first month free. 800-394-8109. 800-394-8109. Good to have you with us on this Wednesday edition of the show. Thanks again to Kurt Heelan for dropping by. Pro Basketball Talk at NBCSports.com. It'll be a fun final 20, 25 games of the NBA regular season. Wasn't thrilled watching the Knicks get slaughtered by the Pelicans last night. They need back Ananobi and Randall in a big way. Uh, something to consider, Sam Yarnell. The behavior of fans. Um, I it just 
I don't even know what to say um, on this on this situation last night with um, Texas and Texas Tech, this in-state rivalry. You see a player from uh, Texas Tech get hip-checked into the into the broadcast table over at, at midcourt, and then all hell broke loose. Players get it. Player gets ejected. Fans start throwing things onto the court. You have the head coach for Texas Tech rocking the mic to to encourage fans not to throw things because they get a technical from the officials. I'm just I I got to be honest, man. I am so exhausted mentally. Whether it's officials screwing up calls, whether it's um, court storming and fans knocking over players and and all of that stuff, and now the talk of banning court storming and and then this last night, I'm just I'm I'm exhausted watching these different things happen. Um, I get that you know a lot of these a lot of these fans that are throwing things onto the court are 18, 19, 20 year old kids, but my God, we got to do better. We just we got to do better than this. And I know you're you're you know you're closer to this age than I am, so you probably have a different perspective on it. Just 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 talk. So a couple of things actually off the top of my head, um, just on the on the topic of this as a as a broad conversation. Oh my gosh, baseball needs to figure it out because basketball has been having this rough season. When you look at the perspective of all the things that we've talked about, Jason just mentioned them all. They're all great. They're all terrible, but that makes them great. Uh, If baseball had these kinds of problems, it would be so much more popular. The popularity of baseball would shoot through the roof. If we saw, you know, people throwing things on the field when someone got ejected or or so on and so forth. Um, That's just, that's just a little little nugget for consideration sure. going forward. Uh, I, I think it would be very interesting if we put all this emotion into a sport that needs it, like baseball. Um, I, I think that we'd see the popularity change a little bit. All right, to the fight itself. Listen, it wasn't even a fight. fight. Yeah. It wasn't even a fight. It was just the ruckus. Um, <laughs> tough. I think that there's something that we need to understand and uh, maybe I'm just a subscriber to this general belief or whatever the case may be, but you know, humanity specifically fans at, at a sporting event where emotions run high generally for not a very important reason in the grand scheme of life. Uh, they're inherently stupid, right? People are inherently stupid. Fans are inherently dumb. Uh, it's just kind of part of life, right? I'm dumb when I put my fan hat on and go sit in the stands for two and a half hours. Yeah, but that'll change. But I can promise you something as, as future you, man, this is your future as future you, I can promise you that will change as you, as you mature and get older. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be like, you know, I'm not trying to be all parental here. But as you get older, the fan thing, it does, at least if you work in this industry, it does kind of wane and you won't be, and you won't be crazy, stupid fanboy jumping off, you know, the top of a pickup truck onto a table and breaking it in half. I can promise you. All right. All right. All right. All right. Shift it back. We're not even in football season right now. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that is true. And you're right. My opinions probably will change. What won't change is the age of college students. 
right? Where do we see all these things happen? It's at college games where the majority of the fans are between the ages of 17 and 23 and dumb uh, and, and willing to make dumb decisions much more frequently than, say, a 40 something year old. I think that <laughs> this gets even worse when you look at the situation around it all and Grant McCaslin getting on the mic. Well, what's he Listen, supposed to do? You're t- okay. Okay. So st- sit on the bench and be quiet because realistically, it's the second half. You're down 25 at home to an in-state rival and a conference rival and a team you're two games better than heading into that game, five spots better than in the conference, and you're getting flat-out embarrassed by them on your home floor. Agreed. What are you doing besides keeping your head down and worrying about what your players are doing on the floor? I don't care if a UFO comes through the roof of the freaking arena. There is no reason that while down 25 to a team that is objectively inferior to yours, both in regular play, in non-conference play, and in conference play, there is no reason you should be concerned with what any fan, any Martian, anybody is doing besides those in Texas Tech Red Raiders uniforms and why they should be scoring 25 more points over the course of the game. Look, at the end of the day... I understand why he's getting on the mic because they could they could cause him to forfeit the game. It's a bad look as it is. You're down 25. There's 10 minutes left in the game. I get it. I get it. But you got to do something in that spot if you're the head coach to try and sort of stop the bleeding as it would be from fans throwing things onto the court. And who knows? Maybe. And here's another thing. We don't know that somebody might have come down and said, hey, say something. We don't know that. That's true. Yeah. So I got to give him a little bit of leeway on that, but not a good night to be a Texas Tech Red Ranger. Red Raider. Red Ranger. We're coming back. All right. What do you say we put the wraps on this baby for a Wednesday? Time for some odds and ends. Odds and ends, Sam Yar. Now, I got I got a couple things that I know will be right in your wheelhouse today, since I'm a zombie. This intermittent fasting thing is just killing me. Um, Sam Yar now, odds and ends, the end of an era in the nation's capital where the Washington Commanders now have a field without a sponsor. FedEx has decided to bow out of their agreement uh, to be the named sponsor of what was FedEx field. So now it's just a field. Yeah. I don't know why this <laughs> took so long, Jason FedEx field is by far. I, I mean, I haven't even been there in years, maybe a decade at this point. Uh, and I can tell you that it's far and away the worst field stadium complex in the NFL. I don't think it's really close. Uh, think about three years ago when while fans were attending a game, a raw sewer pipe burst on their heads in a suite. Do you remember that? I think like seven people sued the commanders because that happened. Uh, let's not forget about the time that I believe it was Jalen Hurts was almost killed because 
fans were leaning over trying to get an autograph from him and the fence they were leaning oh, on I remember gave that. way. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, this, this place, they're going to do something about this place. If I were FedEx, I would have pulled out five years ago when it was clear and obvious to me that then Dan Snyder wasn't going to do a thing to fix up that place. Uh, I don't think they've had renovations since the late 1990s, uh, if I'm not mistaken, maybe the early 2000s. But regardless, you're going on 20 years here, 25 maybe. Uh, it's an interesting time for FedEx to do this, especially with the Mitchell Rails group coming in and all the new ownership and all yeah. the new money that's seeming to go into this franchise. I don't quite understand it from that perspective. I also never understood it when you had the son of the heir of the, or the son to the heir of the FedEx franchise uh, in the same conference, why they were sponsoring a different field. But that was never my business. Uh, what is my business is that the name is no longer. Mm. I, I don't know if they'll get another title sponsor. Oh, to somebody come will that come place. in cheap. Somebody will come in and do it cheap. That the thing is, when you put your name on that stadium, you've got to be ready for your name to be used in more bad press than good press. <laughs> right? There have been more terrible things that have happened at that stadium to fans over the course of the last decade than there have been historic moments. By the right? way, and when we think about the historic yeah. moments, it's RG3 blowing up his knee. By the way, um Tennessee Titans are on line 1. They say their stadium sucks too. So they're going to Yeah, their stadium yeah. I've heard is They're going to get it. They're they're going to get a new one there too. Um odds and ends the end of an era for the ATP Tour. Why? They are now in bed, much like Live Golf, um, or much like uh, the golf world, I should say, is with the PIF. Uh, now the PIF will be the uh, five-year sponsorship deal they are doing with the ATP Tour. Um, some like it, some don't. Martina Navratilova, Chrissy Everett have come out and said, don't do it. Billie Jean King, of all people, has stepped forward and said, hey, we should be more conversive. It's kind of an interesting move from the ATP Tour. Uh, it was expected to be announced this week or next week at the BMP Paribas, which is one of the big tennis tournaments uh, outside of the four majors. But that has become official. Saudi PIF uh, now in bed with the ATP Tour. And again, you're going to continue to see Saudi PIF money influencing pro sports it's not going to just be golf it's not going to just be soccer it's not going to just be tennis eventually you're going to see it i think work its way into some of the other major sports leagues there's no doubt about it i'm with you i'm interested to see it i think it's it's interesting that that the first sports that the pif has tried to really knows their way into are, are the the country club sports right mm -hmm. uh tennis and golf um, there's something to be said there. And I think that there's an interesting way that they've targeted that demographic first and whether that'll make the other ones down the road easier is yet to be seen. Of course, uh, with regard to tennis itself, interested what, you know, they the need other the money officiating bodies tennis of needs tennis it. say about this yeah. tennis, tennis needs the money. So they do, you know, I, I, I can understand from some perspective. And, and I talked about this two years ago with Patrick McEnroe when live first came on the scene. I said, it's only a matter of time before PIF winds up getting its hands uh, into tennis. Baseball. Juan Soto does an interview, and Sam Yarnell is crying over his spilt milk, isn't he? Uh, listen, uh, first of all, we'll get the 
We'll get the Juan Soto bobblehead <laughs> front and center here. So what did he say, and why did it have you either upset, hopeful, what? Uh, so Juan Soto did an interview with a Yankees reporter down at spring training. Uh, one of the questions Let's was, did he wish that he never left Washington? His answer was, I wish I never left Washington. Uh, he talked about the trade process and how he never wanted it to go through. And it sounds like he sounded the exact same way that the fans did. They wanted to just keep him there forever and rebuild around him. But clearly that wasn't in the cards. Uh, so Yankee for life. He won't be a Yankee for life. The Yankee Nationals will wait until this offseason. And then give him a zillion dollars. Yankee for life. After he hits three home runs on opening day. Oh, let's go. Oh, this is going to be so tough having Juan to go through this Soto. whole I can hear, I can hear John Sterling. The Yankees fan I have as a co-host. Juan Soto, don't you know? <laughs> Thanks to Stefan Stevenson, Kurt Heelan. Sam, we'll see you tomorrow. I'm Jason Page. That's Sports Wrap.